Did you catch the phrase, and the rock was Christ? We'll talk about that in just a little bit. First, I want to start off with a very happy announcement. I had the privilege last night of baptizing a young lady into Christ, and she's here this morning. I'd like you to meet her. So, uh, Kinley, will you stand up? It's in the Bible. You have to be embarrassed first time you <laughs> come to church. This is Kinley Adams, and her mom and dad are here with her. We studied last night, and Kinley wanted to obey the gospel. And uh, she uh, was encouraged into this by Rhonda, our own Rhonda, and Gary, and Gary and Lisa. And she's just a wonderful young lady, and I'd like you to meet her when we're finished here this morning. Give her a hug and let her know how much you think about her. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to still find people who are interested in the gospel. Amen. And they're out there. There's the proof. Fine young lady. By the way, fine young uh, third baseman and, well, base woman and shortstop. She plays on their softball team. So, What's that a picture of? That's the western wall, wailing wall, some call it, in Jerusalem. It's what's left of the temple that was destroyed in A.D. 70 when the Romans came into the city. When you look at that picture, you'll see what you see everywhere in Jerusalem. You'll see stone, rock. It is a land of rocks and stones. And one of the things this picture lets us know without saying it outright is that even in the land of rocks and stone, things change. This temple was destroyed. It was a great temple, mighty But it wasn't the first time it was destroyed. It had been destroyed previously when Nebuchadnezzar came into the city, about 606 B.C. And so things change in this world a lot, do they not? In this world, things change, even things we think will never change. Thirty years ago, those of you who are old enough to have been thinking 30 years ago, would you have ever thought that our culture would be struggling over the things it's struggling with now. Who would have ever thought that people would be arguing for the right to abort babies? Who would ever have thought that people would be arguing over what a man and a woman is and whether or not there are two sexes, two genders? Who would have ever thought these things would happen? Who would have ever thought that right and wrong would be so questionable as they are in our culture today. But while culture changes, even in America, and while the economy fluctuates and politics goes haywire, there is one thing that stands steady and will continue to stand steady until the Lord wraps it all up in the end, and that is Jesus Christ. He is the same yesterday, today, and when? Tomorrow, tomorrow, it will be the same. Our country will change. Our culture will change. Our economy will change. Our politics will change. Borders will change. But Jesus will not change. He's the one person you can put your trust in. He's the one person you can hold on to. He's the one person who will never fail you. And I want to take you on a quick tour of some places in Israel, so that you can see that this is not the only place here in Jerusalem where you see rocks, because we are talking about the rock that is Christ. 
This is a view of the Dead Sea, that little strip of blue out there. It's beautiful, isn't it? Coming down from the springs at En Gedi where David hid out from Saul. What do you see all around there? You see rocks. Everything's brown. Everything is a rock except for the few sparse bushes that there are. That picture, let's see, on your left, that's one of the caves at Qumran. It's a cave that's been there for 2,000 years. Why is it there for 2,000 years? Because it's, it's a cave in a rock. And there were several caves. There were 11, I think they might have found a 12th one now, that contain copies of the Bible. And we have determined, I say we, it has been determined by scholars that the writings of the Old Testament have not changed in 2,000 years. You ever hear people say, oh, the Bible, it's been rewritten so many times, it's all different now than it ever was? No. What they pulled out of those caves in Qumran was the same thing we've got today. Next to that is a view from the fortress of Masada. How many of you know what Masada is? A big fortress built on top of a mountain, leveled it off, built a fortress up there, thought it was impregnable. Herod thought it was impregnable. Well, he left it later. By the way, where's Herod now? Yes, just like all those who lived in that day, gone on to meet their maker. Things change in this world, but Jesus Christ doesn't change. These places, you see stone everywhere. People build homes with stone. They build fortresses out of stone. They build roads with stone. This is Shiloh. Our guide pronounced it Shiloh because he's a Hebrew, and that's how they say it, Shiloh. But I say it the right way because I'm an American. (laughs) We tend to think like that, don't we? But this is Shiloh. This is where the ark was placed when the Israelites came into the promised land, into Israel. And that ark stayed there for 369 years. What do you see besides those white flags back there? Those indicate the place where the tabernacle was. They built the tabernacle, put the ark there, and it stayed for 369 years. But what do you see all around that place but rocks, stones? It's that way everywhere. And now it's telling me? Unstable network. We're going to have to talk to our network. We're not going to get it some counseling. It says reconnecting. That's what we're doing here, isn't it? Reconnecting with the Lord. Spinning, spinning, spinning. Can you guys advance it? Did I hit that button? No. Oh. Megiddo. You've heard of the hill of Megiddo? This is Tel Megiddo. Tel is simply a word that means hill. They're doing an archaeological dig here. Just throw that away, if you will. (laughs) What do you see? Rocks. You see stone everywhere. By the way, Megiddo. You heard of Armageddon? Har Megiddo? That's, That's this place. That's this area. The valley of Megiddo. The hill of Megiddo. That's this place in Israel, and what we see is stones. You dig down, and when you find the stones, those stones have been arranged, and that arrangement tells us people were here, and they made things. They built places. And the stones remain. The stones tell the story. Next. Ah, 
This is the main city gate in Dan. Dan is in the far north of Israel. That's one of the city elders sitting there. This is where the city elders would sit for business deals, big business deal. You met at the city gate with whoever you wanted to do business with. If there was some kind of a a legal judgment to be made one way or the other, this is where it would happen at the city gate. What do you see? Stones. Stones, rocks everywhere. And they made use of those rocks. And they're built on the foundation of rocks. Ah, here we are, finally. This is the place, kind of the jumping off point for this idea of Jesus, our rock. Now, you know that text comes from 1 Corinthians, but we're going to be considering Matthew chapter 16. Because that's where, this is the place where Jesus was, the area at least, where Jesus was when Matthew 16 took place. And if you want to turn in your New Testaments to that text, it says that Jesus and his disciples came into the area of Caesarea Philippi. And this is in that area. This is Caesarea Philippi. It's another place called Caesarea Not a pizza place, named for Caesar, but Caesar Philip. He built this city, and this doesn't look like a city, but the city is here because this place was there. This is the grotto of Pan. Pan was one of the Greek gods, and when Alexander and his army came in here, they saw the beauty of this place, the natural beauty, and this hole in the ground was a cavern out of which flowed water, a lot of water. And it flowed up out of a hole that they thought was bottomless. And so this place came to be thought of as them, at least they called it, the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, the gates of death. This was their their place to go into the underworld. And this is where they worshiped the god Pan among many other gods in this place. And so this cavern is the grotto of Pan. I keep wanting to reach down here and hit a thing, but we'll just go to the next one. You see the grotto is in the left part of that picture, but I I wanted to show you this picture so you could see they have carved out in the rock all these little niches where their idols would be placed. And so worshipers of those idols, whoever they might be, would come to these places, bring their offerings, and they would worship whatever idol was placed in those niches as often as they liked. And this was a very popular place for that practice, all made of stone, of course. This is an aerial view, so you can get an idea of the spread of it and its size. And the city would have been built in the foreground out towards us as you're looking at it. But the next shot, it's the same place, but you can see an artist's representation of the temples that would have been there. The Temple of Pan, the Temple of Augustus, and other temples and places of worship where idols would have been placed. Now think about what the text says. Next slide. When Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that I, the Son of Man, am? What were their responses? Do you remember some of their responses? What they would say, well, here's what some people are saying you are. Some say John the Baptist. Was Jesus John the Baptist? He was not John the Baptist. John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. John came to prepare the way for Christ, and Jesus was not John the Baptist. Some say Jeremiah, Zechariah, one of the prophets. Was Jesus any of those prophets? He was not. 
He was the son of God. And then Jesus asked the question, Peter, who do you say that I am? Peter answered, you are the Christ. The word Christ is Greek. The Hebrew equivalent is Messiah. Both words mean anointed of God. You are the Christ. You are the anointed of God. You are the one who is the son of the, what kind of God? Living God. Imagine them being in this place, Caesarea Philippi, and all of this idol worship going on. And Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? Oh, John the Baptist, one of the prophets. Well, who do you say that I am? You're the anointed one. You're the son of the living God. And here is where gods who were not alive were worshipped. But these men recognize Jesus as a son of the living God. Next line. Jesus says, I say to you that you are Peter. Peter's name was Petros. The Greek word Petros meant small stone. And then Jesus said, upon this rock, upon this Petra, large rock, I will build my church, my called out assembly. That's what the word church is, ecclesia, a called out assembly. If you are in Christ, you have been called out by Jesus Christ and his gospel and you have answered that call and he has added you to his assembly. You have been built as part of his church. And Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build my called out assembly. And the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, the gates of death will not prevent it. That's what we just remembered a little while ago in eating the bread and drinking the fruit of the vine. The death of Jesus. The death of Jesus. But as Mike reminded us, one or two times, Sunday came. Sunday came. That's our Christ. He is our rock. He is eternal. He wants to be the Savior of the world. He is your Savior, I hope, this morning. If he's not, I want to talk to you about that. But he is the one upon whom the church is established. And the church is established upon bedrock. And that bedrock is the fact of who Jesus is. So he is our rock in this sense. Next slide. All drank the same spiritual drink. What is a spiritual drink? What's Jesus talking about? Now this isn't Jesus talking. This is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. But Paul said everything he got, he got from Christ. And so he's telling the church at Corinth, the called out assembly at Corinth, back in the day... When the Israelites came out of Egypt and they were thirsty and they cried out to God for water. The first time God told Moses, you go to this rock and you take all the elders and you do it before the assembly of the people. And before all the people, you strike the rock with your rod. And when Moses struck the rock, what happened? Water came out and the people drank and their animals drank. There had to be at least 3 million people when you do the math. And they all had plenty of water as God provided it. Now when Paul writes here that they drank the same spiritual drink, he's not talking about water physically. He's talking about the sustenance of Jesus Christ. And we might think today, well, did they even know who Jesus was? That doesn't matter what they knew. The fact was they were drinking from the spiritual rock of Jesus Christ. He is the same yesterday, 
today and forever. And it was him who sustained them through the desert. That rock from whom they drank was Christ, whether they knew it or not. You and I drink from the rock, the spiritual rock of Christ. Things we don't understand, we're taking in, we're learning, we're, we're imbibing them into our system. And just like physical food, I ate some really good pizza last night. I have no idea what that pizza is doing in my body right now. I don't want to give you an unsettling thought. <laughs> but what do they say about food? You are what you eat. So expect me to be flat and triangular in a little while, I guess. But... <laughs> no, we know what that means. If, if you eat it, your body... Somehow, God made it this way. Your body can break down all the components of the food you eat and decide what is nourishing and what's not. And whatever the nourishment is, whether it's uh, niacin or, now I can't think of any of the, the nutrients that we take in, minerals, all those things. Anybody ever eat this, uh, used to be a seasoning and now it's a, it's a, it's a health food Turmeric, yeah. Anybody use turmeric? What's turmeric do in your body? It makes a difference. I started using turmeric and a lot of my aches and pains went away. Inflammation, Inflammation yeah. Uh, some of those people are still around. But it, it, <laughs> you catch that? Just a little joke. But what we take into our body, our body somehow knows what to do with all that stuff. How does my body know? I don't know, but my body knows and the body has been designed by God. So spiritual things are the same way. We feed ourselves spiritually. And we, we don't even understand everything we're taking in. But we're pursuing God. We're looking for God. As Paul put it in Acts chapter 17 when he was up on Mars Hill in Athens, Greece. He said, we grope after God. That's what we're doing right now. Sometimes we think we're so slick and clean and we, we got a handle on it and really... If we could see ourselves, I think we'd all see that we really are just groping after God. We're doing our best in our muddled state. And everybody around us here this morning is doing their best in our muddled state to be a servant of God. How you doing? I know you're doing just like me. But sometimes it's not that good. But that's all right. Because Jesus is our rock and we take our comfort and our encouragement through him. Next line, this is from Daniel chapter 2. Nebuchadnezzar, remember I mentioned him, he came and destroyed Jerusalem. Well, he took young men into his service and one of those young men was Daniel. And Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and he couldn't even remember the dream, but it so troubled him because it was from God that he called for his wise men to interpret that dream. None of his Chaldean wise men could interpret the dream, but Daniel came and God gave him the interpretation. And Nebuchadnezzar's dream was about an image that was four parts. And Daniel said, what that four-part image means is that you're going to be a kingdom and there's going to be three kingdoms coming after you. And in the final kingdom, God's going to set up his kingdom. And this part of the text, part of the translation, is how that kingdom is going to be established. Look at what it says. You continued looking until a stone was cut out without hands and it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and crushed them. And if you read the rest of it, that stone would go on to become a huge mountain. So we're seeing stones in the message of God given to his people. Jesus was the spiritual rock 
that the Israelites drank from. And now we're seeing a vision of the future where a stone's going to be cut without hands and it's going to crush all the kingdoms of this world and the kingdom of God is going to be established. And that's going to happen in the days of the Roman kingdom. That was the final kingdom. And then the next one. Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone for the foundation, firmly placed. He who believes in it will not be disturbed. That's from Isaiah chapter 28. You trust in Jesus? He's the stone that God has put in Zion. If you want your life to be stable, if you want to be firmly positioned and rooted in life itself, put your trust in Jesus Christ. These are the messages that God is giving through his prophets. And he's borne them out in his son. Next slide, please. This is from Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount. And he says this. Whoever, everyone rather, who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who does what? Who builds his house on a rock. And then he says, the rain fell, the floods came. And the winds blew. And what's that next word? They slammed against the house. Now you might think to yourself, well, wait a minute. If I'm following God, nothing should slam against me. I'm doing good. I don't deserve to be slammed against. Oh, yes, you do. What are the wages of sin? Death. So anything less than that's gravy. Do we get less than that? Do we get less than death? Well, yeah, we get eternal life. But that doesn't mean in this life we're not going to have troubles. By the way, it's when you and I are getting slammed that we have the greatest opportunity to show the world our faith. Anybody anybody can be a Christian when things are going well. But it's when you're getting slammed. And Jesus says, you build your house on the rock. The rains are going to come. The storms are going to come. The winds are going to blow against you. You're going to get slammed. But what's going to happen to your house? It's going to stand because it's founded on the rock. Who is the rock? It's not religion. It's Jesus. Build your house on Jesus Christ. Next, please. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. Men haven't done that. God has done that. This is from the Psalms, but what else do you see? You see a reference to Psalm, but you see Matthew chapter 21 because Jesus repeated this Psalm. And then Jesus added this. He who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but on whomever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. He goes right back to Daniel chapter 2 where that stone is cut without hands and it strikes that statue and the statue's pulverized into dust. But the kingdom of God is what becomes of that stone that was cut without hands. God has established his kingdom through his son. Jesus said, on this rock and the foundation stone that I am the anointed one, I'm going to build my call out assembly. You, as Christians, are built on Jesus Christ, the rock. Things in this world change. Things in this world go haywire. Who knows what tomorrow will hold? But if your life is hid in Christ... If your life is founded on the rock, you'll be okay. You'll be all right. We know people struggling right now, don't we? All kinds of difficulties, all kinds of trials, sickness, financial problems, interpersonal relationships, 
But if you build your life on Christ, you'll make it through all that. Life will slam you. But you'll be okay if you stay with the rock. Next slide. He who rejects me, Jesus says, and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. And you might be wondering, well, where's the rock in that? Jesus is our rock. And his words will stand like a stone foundation. They will be there to support our faithfulness or they will be there to condemn our faithlessness. And you and I get to decide. Isn't that great? God's not up in heaven going, well, let's see. I'll, I'll, I'll save that one. And, oh, no, let's do away with that one. I'll save that one. Oh, that's a nice little let's get, Grab that one. No. You get to choose. You get to choose. I get to choose. Will I build my foundation on the rock? The rock's always been there. The rock's always been the same. The rock will be the same. No matter how long this world lasts, Jesus Christ will still be the rock. Everything else will fail. Everything else will fade. But not Jesus Christ. Who do you want to put your trust in today? Hadn't Titus done a great job leading us in song this morning? Except for that one. (laughs) No, that was great. Isn't that a beautiful song? Oh, he's pointing behind him. I don't know who he's blaming, but he's, he's passing the blame on somebody. Don't do that, Titus. Be a rock. You, you be a rock. <laughs> I'm bringing Titus up because he's going to get up here in a minute and lead us in a song, and we call this song the invitation song because we invite people to make a response if you want to respond this morning to, to this lesson or anything you've learned at all ever. It doesn't have to be this lesson. But I also want you to know we're inviting you to respond If you don't want to come down the aisle this morning and do it publicly, don't worry about that. Grab one of us afterwards. Just don't leave this place without responding. If God has touched your heart to respond to his word, if you want to obey the gospel, you want to talk about the gospel, you need prayers, you need anything, we're inviting you to respond with this song as we bring this lesson to its conclusion. Titus, will you come up and lead us, please?